Tucker. It would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good. Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good. Time has expired. Justin Tucker with a long... Hello, and welcome to episode 70, part two of the And the Kick is Good podcast. Um, we did away with the witty intro today. Um, where shall we take off? Where should we start, Brad? I don't think Brad and I asked you, how's your day been, Tom? Uh, it's not been bad, mate. I managed to battle off any sort of side effects of the booster jab that I had yesterday. Um, so I am elite. To be Lovely honest with you. I am peak physical health. <laughs> How was your 5G signal? Yes. Hey. Mate, it's amazing. My phone's working really well. I think that's the one thing I'm looking forward to at the end of the pandemic is people stop making those jokes. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone made, like, you got that joke on the first jab, you got that joke on the second jab, you're getting it on the booster. Like, those jokes can go away now. Can, yeah, I like that little pause you put. Those jokes can go away now. You remembered you were middle class in the middle there. It was quite fun. It's weird that for Colm, a man who often references 80s and 90s comedy, would be like, those jokes can go away now. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> all that needs to happen is one of them on the intro to SNL and they'll be all over him again. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yes, we're going to start, Tom, with the hirings, well, not even the hirings yet, just the, fu- the outright firings of the NFL and of our traditional Black Monday as head coaches and GMs come and go. And I believe we are due to start with one of the more surprising firings of the weekend, but yet something, listeners, that if you'd listened keenly last year, you'd have heard <laughs> us predict, and that is Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins... Uh, after missing the playoffs for the third straight season, despite winning, having winning records in the last two of those seasons, uh, he is gone. Tom, walk us through it. Uh, yeah, this was this was as you say the most shocking departure. Twitter kind of couldn't really believe it. A lot of current and ex players to have played under Flores couldn't really believe it. By the looks of things, um, he has been fired for beating. Uh, Bill Belichick twice in a season which probably explains why generally no one does that I guess maybe it's some sort of (laughs) unwritten rule of playing in the AFC East Um, there is a kind of undercurrent of feelings uh, that it's quite a lot to do with the GM uh, whose first name I've forgotten but his surname is certainly Greer I want to say Bill Greer Chris Chris Greer there we go I knew it was some sort of nondescript (laughs) white middle aged man name um, but yeah, Chris Greer, and, and who has been with the Dolphins for something like 20 years. And it, it looks like there was some sort of discord between them, whether it was to do with Deshaun Watson, whether it was to do with keeping Tua and kind of committing to him. No one outside of the building is really sure. And I doubt many people inside the building are really that sure. Um, but he's already got interviews with the Bears, um, who we will get to in a little bit. Um, he he looks like a prime candidate to go straight out of a head coaching job into another head coaching job. And if ever you fire your head coach and he walks into another head coaching job, that feels like a bad move. It might not end up being a bad move, but it just doesn't look good um, from the optics of it. Yeah, that reminds me of when um, uh, Jim Harbour was going to get fired by the Ravens. Uh, or his contract was about to expire. They were going to let him walk. And then he realised how many other teams were interested in him. 
And suddenly the Ravens are like, oh, actually, maybe we want to keep him for another year or two. <laughs> this guy seems really good looking at the Browns hiring a new head coach every year going, yeah, maybe we don't want to do that. Certainly, as you said, that was, a, a, I think, a surprise for many people, particularly as they went on that seven-win run towards the end of the season, having started one and seven. Always difficult when you don't make the playoffs um, in back-to-back seasons to justify a job, but you felt like he was building something there had a lot of buy-in, you'd think, from the players by the sounds of things. You know, again, one win away from making the playoffs a couple times there. And I think wasn't it's very hard to, look, to improve. I think it's important to look at it contextually as well. The AFC East, okay, they had a pretty poor Patriots team last season, but they still got to play the Bills last season. They still got to play the Patriots and the Bills this season. Um, and things like they're just their O line was a complete mess for large portions of the season. Um, their best offensive weapon is is and was a rookie. Um, their running game was just a hodgepodge of players. I mean, the run, best running back by the end of the season was Duke Johnson, who they brought in out of nowhere. So, okay, you can put some of that on a head coach. Like, I guess you could point fingers and say, well, it's your fault we got to that stage. Technically, um, he ha- has had four offensive coordinators in three years as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and they came into this season with like the dual offensive coordinator, yeah, which is how you get the four and a, and a running uh, game coordinator. And he wouldn't specify who was actually calling plays and yeah. what was going on in that situation. But if that was the problem, like if that's that much of a problem, then surely you make a move like before this because it doesn't feel like. Now that he's gone, had they made the playoffs, do you think he'd still have a job? Mm, I don't yeah, think but so. Only because it's so difficult to fire a guy that makes the playoffs. Then, like that's a really that's a really difficult move to make. Then all of the stuff we've just mentioned can't have been that big of a deal. <laughs> do you know well, what I mean? If you're going to fire him, you fire him when you're one and seven, right? You say, look, we're very unlikely to make the playoffs. I want to see if one of the two offensive coordinators you got is good enough to be a head coach. Sure, I'm yeah. going to give him the rest of the season. To let him to come back with a seven-game win streak like that, get back close to the playoffs, it's, it's very difficult to understand the logic behind firing him there. Particularly, and then keeping the GM, because largely the problem you'd say with that Dolphins team has been the offense. And they've had a lot of capital to invest in that team. And most of it seems to have gone on the defense. Not enough seems to have gone on the offense, in my opinion. No, I think everyone right agrees with that. quarterback last year, but okay. But no, the point remains: you draft. They have. They've not invested in the O line, and Tua has been getting absolutely killed, and has one of the fastest release times in the NFL this year. Mainly because if he doesn't throw it, he's going down. He's like the anti-Davis Mills, I guess, in that regard. <laughs> I'm to use your capacity. <laughs> He doesn't freeze up, you know. He just knows what he's got to get done, and 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 goes with it on that front. I think the overall thing was, yeah, there was tension between the GM and the head coach, and the owner has to make a decision. And the owner went with the guy that he's worked with for twenty years and trusts. I just, and that I, I could just be want to combat, smart. That could be bad. I just want to combat something that Colm said, which was about, or, or the, I think you both kind of said, which was the how much have they put into the the you know the offensive line they spent a second rounder on an offensive lineman this year on, on a ta- which was on a who tackle guard Liam Eikenberg oh yeah that was terrible and I think we agreed before the season that he was not 
a good player and he, has not been good. He was, he was a tackle guard project. Uh, they spent a fir- but but it, like okay, they might have they might have picked bad players, or the, but like they've still put the investment in there. In in 2020, they spent uh, 18th overall pick on a tackle, 39th overall pick on a guard, and 111th pick on a guard. 78th pick in 2019 on a guard. Um, and then so they've drafted four guards you've mentioned there. How many of them are starting? I don't know, to be honest. But but my point is is that they have tried to to fix it. They might have done poorly, but it's not like they haven't tried. When you say that yeah. they spent all of their capital on, on defence, that just clearly isn't true. I didn't say they haven't they've spent all of that. I said they haven't spent enough on offence. Well, <laughs> the, the names of the people that I'm looking at that, like disagree with that. It's one of those things, I think, I think it's a quality thing that makes you look at it and go, they haven't spent enough on it. They haven't spent enough on quality. And, I mean, you look at a lot of their draft history anyway, and a lot of it does look fairly like, ah, yes, here are some names of people that I've sometimes heard spoken of on Red Zone. And that's about as much about you know as these guys, which isn't indicative that they've drafted well, right? You know, that's kind of like... uh, And the players that they have drafted well who have been good at their position at certain points in time, like Laramie Tunsil, like Minka Fitzpatrick, have been traded away because they wanted out of there. So I, I do think there is more... Like, this is just a, a a tip of the iceberg with perhaps some of the dysfunction that's been in that team for a while. I mean, this is a team that's stuck by Adam Gase for years as well. So, you know, and the same GM by that as well. So I wouldn't... Yeah, it's just one of those situations where I go, okay, they didn't get along. The the owner has made his choice, and now he's got to defend that choice, right? And he's doing that a lot better than than other owners comparatively. Uh, I think even still, even though he's doing a fairly below average job, I think he's still doing a better job than say other people are going to talk about, like the Bears ownership or the Giants ownership, where they just look to be in complete free, you know, free fall. But uh, sure. I should ask. I, yeah, I understand. I, I understand the point. I'm not trying to go to bat for Chris Greer. I'm just <laughs> simply stating that to say he, he hasn't spent enough on offense, like it really does look like it's a pretty, in terms of like top 100 ish picks, it looks like it's a really healthy 50 50 split. In terms of um, next potential head coaches, betting lines have Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, and Eric Bieniemy as the top three choices. Uh, owner Stephen Ross has already ruled out attempt to sign Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. Which means Harbaugh will be in there by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Ross is a... The, the business school at the University of Michigan is named after him. So I think that's his apprehension of like, <laughs> I don't want to go out and outright sign my the guy on the school that I went to and still support consistently. But if he happens I to mean, want I to I understand leave, that, but the logic is, if he's going to go to the NFL, why would you not be the one to sign him, right? That is the, the other side of it. It's like, I, I get where your personal feelings lie, but also you <laughs> should be making a wiser decision than that. But we'll, we'll see how they, how they adapt. Uh, and what they do on that front. I think if they are targeting someone like Dubol or Peterson, then they are clearly trying to think of QB development, and they are in on tour, you know, at that point. 
Because if the reports are to be believed, that was the kind of decision to be made here, right? Is that that Flores wanted Justin Herbert, and when he didn't get Herbert, he wanted Watson, and when that couldn't go through, you know, he, they asked him to support Tua, and he didn't support Tua. Is the current reports that as they come out, it does feel fairly transparent as to where those reports are coming from. Perhaps you know. Maybe the GM and the, and the owner who've just fired head coach for these reasons does feel fairly transparent, but it does look like they're gonna try and get an offensive-minded head coach to then support Tua. But they yeah, may- the, the bookies have I think eight of the top ten candidates as offensive coordinators at the moment, including Joe Brady, which is a surprise. But there you go. Yeah, and and that's a much more productive way of looking at it compared to some of the other names we'll get to later on who are being linked with you know in terms of defensive minded head coaches going and defensive minded head coaches coming in uh, we'll get to that in a little bit is there anything more you wanted to add Tom and Brian Flores um, or do we want to move on to uh, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman of the <laughs> no, Vikings f- 15 minutes on the Dolphins is more than enough <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I relate to that. So yeah, the Vikings won their last game of the season, 31-17, to but the playoffs were already long gone from them uh, in a game in which neither head coach was retained 24 hours after the game was finished. Uh, but Colm, we designated you this one for Zimmer. Um, it should be noted, listeners, that Tom has already look, looked into Cameo and we will have a <laughs> Levi Onwuzarike shout-out at some point, I imagine. Yeah, well, I, I, wanted, I wanted to know from you what, what sort of thing are you after? Because I was in my head, it, it's just going to be like an admission that I was wrong. <laughs> like, I, I don't think we can put about Mike Zimmer getting fired in that. I'm not sure he's going to be up for that. <laughs> but then, and then trying to get him to say, like, and the kick is good. Yeah, something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll work craft it. I've not had a lot of victories this season, both watching the Giants <laughs> and in fantasy football. So like, this is one of the things that I'm going to have to just... I'll, I'll give it a think on and see what we can put together. Okay. But as soon as we get that, listeners, I will share it with you all. But uh, Colin, Mike Zimmer and Spielman. Yeah, Mike Zimmer uh, fired after, I believe that was, eight seasons in yeah. charge of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, three 10-win seasons, uh, including three playoff appearances or, you know, uh, playoff trips. Highlight for him was obviously the 2017 year where he went 13-3 and three, uh, and then lost in the championship game to the Eagles who went on to win it all. It felt like it was an unfortunate uh, parting because he had done a good job coaching that team, despite the fact that they bizarrely ended up in one-score games every single <laughs> week. It was baffling how that happened this year but I think coming into it you knew he was under some pressure to make the playoffs or you know he'd be out and just so happened that the week he needed a win uh, was the week that his unvaccinated quarterback ended up catching COVID and having to start uh, an absolute no-name backup quarterback who I've already forgotten and that cost him a player appearance and that largely cost him his job I think you'd look back on his, his time there as a success. He went 72 and 56 and won, um, you know, three playoff trips in eight years. For, you know, an outstanding record. He's done a good job there, and he might still be in with a chance of being uh, a head coach somewhere else next year, but I think more likely a defensive coordinator. 
you know, he might be a loser on Black Monday, but he is still the winner in having an absolute smoke show of a girlfriend as well. So shout out to him for that. <laughs> yeah, if Mike Zimmer takes a year off and just, I think we understand. <laughs> yeah. The other loss was obviously uh, Rick Spielman uh, as GM. I think that one was probably slightly more obvious, even though they've done a very good job of drafting players. You talk about Justin Jefferson, finding guys like Adam Phelan. Uh, you know, they built a, a good team there, but I think they were just missing key pieces to take them over the top to be a you know an all-star team. They've got a problem on defense now, but they are getting quite old, and I think they've got a lot of money invested uh, across the board in that team, and I think it might be a bit of a rebuild job for whoever the next GM is. It's not quite blow it all up yet, but, it but could it's be. either... But it, it... They could get so much for so it's, many different pieces, yeah. right? If 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 they could get the coach and they could get into some kind of lockstep between GM, coach, and ownership to go, look, do we want to commit to another like three years of Kirk Cousins? Because you you have already told Kirk Cousins what he's worth to you. <laughs> and yeah, I I don't think really you like maybe you could knock a couple of mil off, but I don't think you're going to face a very good argument. To, to not paying him a similar amount. Um, Dalvin Cook is tradable this off-season. You don't clear a ton of cap, but you get out of a hefty running back contract. The big one, you know, and then you can always move, like, defensive pieces for middle-round picks and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's fairly easy. But the big one would be if they wanted to cash in on Justin Jefferson, which I don't think they would. Like, I think even if you're doing a rebuild, you want that star-wide receiver piece because... Even if he like has a terrible year and makes all the noises next off season, his price doesn't go down. He's still like two first rounders and a top one hundred pick probably. Um, yeah. So if if you if they really wanted to go that direction, I reckon they could be they could load up with picks for the twenty twenty three draft, which is by all accounts apparently insane compared to this twenty twenty two draft. Yeah, and you could do that or. If you feel like you can, or you get the the right GM to do it and head coach to do it, you can hit on a you hit on a couple of picks now in this draft, and you have potential that you you know that you can go to the playoffs and make a run, right? Like, I know we joke about the one score games, but you know that's one or two drop passes, or you know one or two stuff runs, or one or two you know missed assignments from being a team that very much a contender it shouldn't be too much to turn them around uh, and put them into the playoffs if if you can make the space and make the room and get a, a GM and a head coach that can do that so you kind of got to I think they'll stay more towards that route um, Colin you said that Spielman going was more predictable but from everything I saw this was more of the outs you know this was more of the shock I think people expected him to have another chance um, oh I didn't uh, but I, I, I mean, this also that that was just the reaction I saw. But you know, even I said a few weeks, uh, a couple of months back, that Spielman was going to be a GM that could be available, and a team could take a look for him. You know, because yeah, Zimmer they was could gone. do that, or if he wanted to, I reckon he could make decent money as a Scott Hansen impersonator. <laughs> uh, he does look remarkably similar to the guy. He does actually look like a an older Scott Hansen, doesn't he? Yeah, it's just it's just quite surprising. Uh, so if you if you want a cheap just... cameo, you probably try Scott, Scott I'll talk you um, through some names that are free agents for the Vikings this year. 
um, Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin, um, no, Nick Vigil, no. Anthony Barr, Patrick Peterson, Maybe. No. Mackenzie Alexander, um, and then that's kind of it on the defensive side of the ball of, of like names. So you know they 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 do have some decisions in terms of do we try and bring back the guys that are known quantities that haven't necessarily played that well, um, or, or what do we do? But in terms of in terms of what they're looking at, they're estimated to cap space. Um, they're looking at the kind of high figure of a salary cap is they're fourteen and a half mil over it as it stands. So there are going to have to be moves that are made regardless. Um, in terms of extensions and things like that, which which can be done, you know, it's really easy. If if they don't want to trade Dalvin Cook, you know, that's a restructure that will clear up easily, probably six or seven mil by itself. If you don't you want to trade Cousins, you can I was going to say Cousins, it. a Cousins move for what it's worth. Just as we're talking about GMs and finances and whatever, um, if they trade him, even if they trade him in free agency, they'll save thirty five mil. <laughs> so yeah. he can be moved. Yeah, if you <laughs> the, the the most obvious move, even though it may feel like a lateral move, is cousins involves cousins and Mayfield uh, at some point. But who knows? <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Because then you're just uh, looking at paying another quarterback, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another unsure of quarterback. When it comes to uh, next head coaches, the betting line has Eric Bieniemy as favourite. Followed shortly by Brian Dable, and then joint third places Andre Patterson, their current defensive uh, co-defensive coordinator, and Brian Flores. Yeah, now, Brian Flores you, feels like a good fit. You know that I love Kirk Cousins, but going from designing plays for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill to de- designing plays for Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson feels like a bit of a different movement to go into, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a that's a big flex of your ability. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> So yeah, and occasionally we'll have Adam Phelan out there. We don't know how, but we will. But on the upside of that, Tom, as well, you do get to start designing plays for Dalvin Cook instead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So, you know, it's uh, (laughs) upgrade at other positions. Uh, Colin, anything else to add on this one? No. Lovely stuff. Then we'll move on to Vic Fangio, who uh, didn't even make it to, to Monday. He was uh, let go after the Broncos lost on Saturday night to the Chiefs, uh, 28-24. to In a fairly run-of-the-mill game, but except Melvin Gordon, again, a guy needing a contract next year, went off for 12, off 12 carries, went for 110 yards and a touchdown, and looked nigh-on unstoppable at times. Uh, but, you know, the Chiefs still managed to, to, to take this one. Uh Colin, walk us through Vic Fangio and the, what do you think the future is there? Yeah, Vic, uh, he's been in charge at uh, in Denver now. For, I believe that was his third year in charge. Yes. And he never quite managed to put it all together, did he? You know, I <laughs> think this was probably his best season in charge and they fell, uh, you know, two games short of, you know, making any serious contention for the playoffs. Uh, but pro- actually, probably yeah, probably two or three games short of actually making any contention. Dead last in the FC West again, same as the year before, and the year before that he managed to get a second place position. He never had the quarterback. I think he needed to make a serious you know play for that team, and yeah, I, I question whether most head coaches could have done you know uh, uh, you know managed to get seven and ten uh, with 
you know, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke as their starting quarterbacks. I think he's still very well respected as a uh, a defensive-minded person and will probably be the favourite for nearly every defensive coordinator position going uh, <laughs> this year. If Jim Harbour does come back, you do wonder whether he'll team up with uh, Jim Harbour again. But, uh, yeah, a guy who I think has left a very talented roster, albeit one without a, a proper starting quarterback uh, behind, and a team that's probably in a pretty good position to make waves and uh, be a serious threat once they do find uh, uh, you know, a talented head coach and starting quarterback. Yeah, uh, I agree with most of that. I think some of the names that have been immediately linked with the role are, are Dan Quinn. So this comes back to a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, who seems to be a hot commodity this offseason. Yeah. I don't understand the move of going from defensive coach to defensive coach when a lot of your <laughs> draft would be seem to be based on either trading away your picks for one of the starters that may or may not be available, or drafting a quarterback that you have to build as a project. Like, I don't understand why you would go towards a, a I, I think the coach. whole, to be honest, I think the whole offensive-defensive-minded thing gets a little blown out when it comes to being a head coach, depending on if they're going to call plays or design plays, I guess. But I, th- I think it can be a slightly um, misleading thing. Dan Quinn is, you're, you are right, he is the favourite for the position at the moment. Jim Caldwell is also uh, a name linked to it. Same with Leslie Frazier and Nathaniel Hackett. Um, so one of the names I just saw there, which I'm not familiar with, is uh, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, I don't. Do you know much about him at all? No, name doesn't ring a bell, Tom. No, no, I can't say that's one I know. I'm afraid. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you where he is. He is the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh goodness. Well. So yeah, looking very much at defensive coordinators. Um, Apart from Nathaniel Hackett, obviously. I mean, to take over the role. showing their hand that they don't believe in any of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft by the looks of it. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, it, it's going to be an enticing role, I think, to take this head coach role. But I don't know. It just feels like this is going to... You need the front office to make a move one way or the other. And you need a coach to roll with that more than, you know the coach coming in and kind of saying, oh, I would like this, this, and this, you know, like, you need the front office to just need to nut up and make a move for something soon. Like, because this team is in, like, seven, what, like, seven and ten, eight and nine, maybe nine and eight purgatory. Like, they are not, they're, I, they're not going to be, a, they're not going to be a top five drafter, but they're not making the playoffs either. Well, the thing I'd say is, I think, that roster, let's say they, you know, let's say Aaron Rodgers had fu- actually managed to force his way out and end up in Denver. We'd probably be talking about Vic Fangio as potentially coach of the year this year because he would have had such a huge transformation with that team and it would have been such an incredible uh, performance by them. You know, he, he he was dealing with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater who are, you know, you, I don't think many people consider uh, Drew Locke to be a starting quality quarterback. I think most people consider Teddy Bridgewater to be QB 32, if that, uh, in this league. It, it was a bum hand he was dealt there, but also I don't think he was good enough to elevate that team above the bum hand he was given. Yeah, if you can't find a way to utilise Javante Williams 
uh, as little as they did, you know, as more than they did, then, you know, that's on them. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the, the fair point. Um, but they will be a run-first team for a while. And, and we'll see how how it all shakes out there. I, I will be quite sad if that's a run-first team with Jerry Judy. Um, Cortland <laughs> Sutton, Tim Patrick. Noah Tim Patrick, everyone. Kendall Hill. Yeah. yeah. But, Colm, if you've watched the Broncos, like I have a lot this season, you'll understand why they're a run-first team because the running backs don't tend to put the ball on the floor as much as the receivers do. Whether that's fumbles <laughs> or drops... The receivers, yeah, they've paid a lot of them, but we'll see how how they actually do. And I forgot the other one. KJ Hamler is the other one as well. Like whichever ensemble they bring out there, like they've gotten a, they, they've paid all the wide receivers, so they're set at their position. They're just they've got to find the quarterback from somewhere, um, and we'll we'll see how they see how they manage that. Um, Tom, did you have anything to add on Vic Fangio other than? Possibly Mike Munchak's available, so please bring him back to the Steelers. Uh, no, no, uh, you've, you've covered it. Like really rough um, for the bloke. Uh, he he is the twenty twenties Rex Ryan, isn't he? In terms of quality defensive yeah. coordinator, uh, got got a head coaching job. Didn't do too badly. Obviously, Rex Ryan went to the AFC Championship game. I think it was. Um, yeah, with Mark Sanchez, by the way. Um, but yeah, like his home is as a defensive coordinator, and whoever gets him, if anybody gets him, will get a quality, quality hire for two or three years. Him and Jack Del Rio are just going to be opposite each other at some point next season. I imagine just like, yeah, we both fucked it, didn't we? We could have been head coaches, <laughs> but we're defensive coordinators for life. Um, cool. We'll move on to the Bears then, with perhaps. The, one of the most obvious firings that we could have all seen coming uh, from a mile off, uh, and it's a complete clear out uh, with Matt Nagy, the head coach, gone, and also GM Ryan Pace, who I think was only what three years removed from winning GM of the year. Um, <laughs> how quickly things can change. Uh, both are gone as the Bears finished six and eleven on the season. Uh, yeah. And they never looked really sure of what kind of team they are, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to achieve. They had Alan Robinson playing on the tag this year, and somehow I think he was their third receiver, if not fourth receiver. They do have some bright sparks in the likes of Mooney, and Justin Fields has shown flashes, but this was a doomed season, it felt like, with a rookie and then two veterans in there. Uh, with a good but not with a good but once great defense, who you know again can have their flashes and their moments, it just does feel like the Bears wasted a few years, um, especially of that defense, which was elite at one point. You know, best in the NFL. They never ever got their head around what to do at the you know the on the offensive side of the ball, and it's taken them too long, and now they're probably staring down the barrel of a rebuild as well that you've got to come in and do you have the quarterback of the future that you hope well you hope you have the quarterback of the future you have perhaps the wide receiver one in Darnell Mooney you also have other assets like David Montgomery and Colin will tell us all about Cole Komet I'm sure uh, but there is also no first round pick this year you know this you had the seventh overall pick this year 
perhaps the only good move that David Gettleman made, uh, one of the few ones anyway, you know, he secured that. It feels like a very weird situation that any GM or head coach is coming into in which you kind of want to be a contender, but to your point that you've made several times, Tom, you kind of need to suck. Just take like one, maybe two years of being absolutely <laughs> awful and then ride the fourth and the fifth year option of fields, you know, if it's working out, right? Like you need to get some serious playmakers on this team and they need to bring someone in to do that. And I just don't know who that is yet. I haven't heard them associated with, with many uh, big names. It should also be noted as well that uh, Chairman George uh, McCluskey was told that, yeah, I've been doing a good job uh, by the board and the ownership. Ownership is his mum, Virginia McCluskey. So effectively, <laughs> he was told by his mum, you're doing a good job. Now go to your room and think about what you've done for the last few years. So, yeah. Just gut, gut feeling for from both of you. Like, ignore salary cap, and etc. But what do you think they could get for Khalil Mack at this point? A second and a third? Cole? Yeah, I'd say about that. That's yeah. the... Uh, that's the going that's rate the, for a... Uh, that's the Von Miller price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the going so, rate for so the a... Second, the second was what I had in my mind. I suppose you could probably get someone to chuck in the third as well. Like, Just trying to think, he he was dominant when they got him, you know, and he, he was extremely good for, for a couple of years there, but he's just dropped right down to now. Like, is is he in people's top 10 pass rushing lists? Like people that actually, you know, know what they're talking about, that watch tape rather than people that just see the names and go like, Max Crosby, who's he? <laughs> like, it's, because part of that perhaps is the fact that the defense has fallen down to an extent and therefore he's just not getting the opportunities or because the offense is so bad. You know, there are kind of contextual points that you could kind of allude to, but it read like that trade has just not gone well for them. I do not think, and I, I guess you could say that that's because they haven't won a Super Bowl. And you could you could point to any big trade and say, yeah. well, did they win a Super Bowl?" But they, they it got, went well. They got for high two level. years. Yeah, but but you don't trade two first. Was it two or three first round picks? They traded three. so I, much. Shall I give you? Shall I give you Ryan Pace's uh, first round picks? Oh, I love this. as GM. Yeah. So twenty fifteen. Seventh overall, he drafted Kevin White. I was going to say it's probably Kevin White. Yeah, miss. Uh, Twenty sixteen, miss. Ninth that's overall, not even took... close to like, that's <laughs> not on the scale. Hey, it's hit, miss, or mare that I run on, right? It's going to be one or the other. Twenty sixteen, ninth overall, he drafted Leonard Floyd. Meh. Uh, Twenty seventeen, he traded up to second overall from third overall to get Mitch Trubisky. Yes, <laughs> move on. <laughs> Twenty eighteen, eighth overall, he took Roquan Smith. Grand Slam. Hit. Huge hit, yeah. <laughs> 2018, 2019 and 2020 first round picks were all traded for Khalil Mack. And then uh, 2021, 11th overall, drafted Justin Fields. Traded up for as well and traded away yes. 2022 as I covered. And yeah, yeah I mean, there, there are some... The thing is, there are some like other hits amongst there as well. Like Darnell Mooney was a fifth rounder last year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Cole Komet was their top pick last year in the second round. Um, you know, David Montgomery in the third has been has been good. Um, Anthony Miller's had some flashes and he has, has been an okay. Uh, Bilal Nichols is good as well as a fifth round. So you know, there's hits every 
now and again, like especially towards later it, it rounds. It does but feel it's just... like if if they keep the majority of the team around, it does feel like they are sort of one draft pick and a couple of free agency acquisitions away from like totally being what the Vikings were this year, right? A team that that could like go into the final two weeks where it's like, cool, if we win both our games, we're in the playoffs. It doesn't feel like they're too far away from that. Yeah, but they don't have one of those things that you just said, which is draft pick. <laughs> they're good draft picks. Like it's all in the later rounds. So yeah, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like it just needs to be. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah, Actually, yeah. If you, if you hit on something, you hit on something. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, they're they're, they're facing a, a potential. We we'll see what they end up doing. Right. It, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, and hopefully, Alan Robinson can go join an offense that will actually use him, and he actually cares to be in because that was one of the more painful player situations to watch this year is to just watch him be out on the field and not give a shit and you know the corner is clearly not giving a shit to utilize him either um so he'll he'll go to a team and get paid uh, a nice amount of money uh do we want to well that's that's the firings um is there anything else you want to address before we get into the elephant in the room of sorts well, shall I shall I go through my little one and then you can go for your one? Yeah, we've just, got some yeah. of those that are still on the hot seat that we're not sure of. Pete Carroll, it's been said that he was safe, but we're not 100% sure on that position because it does seem to be there's going to be some change in Seattle. But and we just yet don't know there, where. there was a report during the games on Sunday that Russell Wilson is staying in Seattle, which... I mean, yeah. If only, if only you've had someone saying that the entire fucking time. <laughs> but then there's um, the other one, which Tom I know is getting your goat, which is the <laughs> Houston Texans head coach of the moment, uh, David Cully, who we said has done a fine job, but may have been destined to be a one and done. Despite the fact that he's done a fine job and no immediate candidate has come to the fore, there are questions about him losing his job, or some people outright calling for it. Tom. I assume, yeah. I assume when you say fine job, you mean fine as in great. <laughs> because oh, yes. the, yeah, yeah. the job he did this season, dealing with everything off the field, on the field, the strange sort of power battle behind the scenes, the people that they're bringing in, random preachers having as much power as some of the biggest uh, officials <laughs> and people behind the scenes of other organisations. And, and to do all of that, keep his team kind of down to earth, figure out and find players who were, you know, positive contributors, dig out a couple that are going to be on the roster next year, put Davis Mills in this position to actually show what he can do. And then there's this talk that he's going to get fired. And I, I, the, the, there are lots of ways that I'm looking at it. But the one big one is... How do you then go into another interview with a potential head coach as the Houston Texans and go, so, here's what we want you to do. Because nobody is going to take you seriously after you've just canned the guy that went five wins with that roster. <laughs> it, yeah. is, it is absurd. And the, the latest music is to come out today, and I, I reckon we will know one way or the other by the time this podcast comes out. So this is Tuesday. Um, they re- they announced the coaches for the Senior Bowl, which is normally the coaches of basically the worst team from the AFC and the NFC. The NFC is the Lions, but the AFC side is the Jets going. However, the Texans are the, the worst record team. And so um, the question is, like, 
there's there's only two reasons: either their head coaching situation is in in flux, or they have declined the invite. And there's sort of no real reason to decline the invite because you get an up close look at a lot of the rookies that are coming through. Um, obviously, the Jags are immune from it as well because they currently don't have a head coach so it'd be pretty difficult for their head coach to go down there um so that's kind of pointing towards the fact that he might well be gone but there are texans fans that i'm seeing calling for his head and and talking about his play calling and stuff like that and it's just like you don't have the players to be annoyed with play calling just be happy that you (laughs) won some games this year and that you actually look like, at the very least, you have a quarterback that you can take into next season, put into a competition with, like, whoever, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, like, whatever. But you give him a battle, and if he comes out the other side, then brilliant. Like, you you have a platform to build off of, purely thanks to David Cully, who seven months ago was a fucking laughingstock. And it, yeah. I just I do not understand how there is any shout for him to get fired, other than obviously as we've spoken before, if if he was always one and done, regardless of what he did. Yeah, which is yeah, unfortunate if he does. Yeah. Anyway, right. from from one thing that I'm passionate about, assuming that Colm has nothing to say about Pete Carroll. <laughs> yeah, Colm, Pete Carroll. Um. Yeah, I I kind of felt like he, his time is up in Seattle, just, I think I've talked about it previously, you know, body language of that team, and feeling like they've naturally run their course. With David Cully, it would be a real it would be a real shame if he does go, because he's done nothing wrong with that team. He's done, you know, a perfectly admirable job with the pieces he was given. But I think the Texans remain a shit show until someone comes in from the outside. Like, it might take, like, a, a hiring, like, Jim Harbour to, like, interview with them and say... What the fuck is wrong with this organization? Why why have you got a pastor as your GM? Why have you got, you know, why are you just hiring absolute clowns? You need to do this, this, and this. <laughs> so it'd be anywhere near resembling a sensible team and McNair to listen to that. Yeah, Jim Harbour, famous for having good relationships with those people above him. Uh, but that's my opinion on uh, I, I think them and I think the team we're about to lead into are probably the two teams furthest away from resembling a playoff worthy NFL team so so who haven't we mentioned Brad? Yes welcome everybody to episode 70 part 2.5 after we recorded about a 15 minute segment on the Giants despair the glee in my voice should tell you but one thing and that is that Joe Judge has been fired as head coach of the New York Footballing Giants. This after Dave Gettleman was allowed to retire uh, instead of being fired, and a day of confusion as to whether Joe Judge would be the head coach or not, and statements from players like Daniel Jones where he said everything and nothing uh, in the same sentence. Uh, Yes, somehow late on Tuesday or midday Tuesday after several meetings with ownership uh, and discussions that the new GM would have to make a choice about the head coach, uh, the Myers have gone all in and said, you know what, we'll let the new GM choose their own head coach altogether and Joe Judge is done. This caps off a bizarre 24, 48 hours um, from such plays as the Giants running a QB sneak on third and eight 
uh, from that their own five went down only three points. And it's a string of, what, four or five games where we've lost by double digits. Um, I need to be careful while I edit this and put all this together because uh, I'm told if it lasts longer than four hours, you should see a doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your guys' immediate takeaways and additions to add to this uh, as I debate whether I need to go do victory laps around <laughs> around the block? Yeah, I mean, trying to separate what we said earlier and figure out what you're going to keep in and not um, trying to... All of yeah. this, none of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so basically what we said is that next year is sort of a write-off. Um, you're looking at, with the, the first two picks, the five and the seven, I think it is, largely looking at supplementing what you've already got and trying to build a roster that is good enough to support a franchise quarterback that you will then hopefully get because you suck enough the next season. Um, <laughs> with that in mind, I suppose a new GM and a new head coach in lockstep makes even more sense because if you're doing that, then Joe Judge is getting canned next season anyway, isn't he? So, <laughs> Because yes. the idea is you're going three or four wins again. So this is the smartest move they could have made. I guess the question is, like, who do you want, Brad? Um, well, I heard a lot in the last few years about these offensive gurus. <laughs> Didn't you just uh, get one, though? Was, like, Wasn't that what Joe Judge was? Uh, special teams guru, mate. You should have seen the amount of punts we've had to do. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, no, I, I think... Yeah, immediate one is for someone to come in who is more offensively set. There's no word yet on what this means for the current people there. Although I would imagine any GM or head coach coming in, unless they've got their own guys that they really trust. I imagine Patrick Graham is probably may stay as defensive coordinator throughout all of this. So I do think you want someone to go in heavy on the offense. Like if you are really trying to give Daniel Jones the one what was decidedly, you know, his one last chance as a New York Giants quarterback, then you want someone offensively minded. Patrick Graham can own his side of the house uh, on the defensive side of things because as we've spoken about the defense can hang in there they just need something to play for <laughs> like it's very difficult for a defense to continue playing the ball when you know you can get turnovers you can make big stops four plays later you're back out on the field like that's so painful I... to watch I would imagine there's a, a near 0% chance that a new head coach would keep the existing defensive coordinator. That's very rare to happen. It's rare, but, you know, that could be one of the things. I'm just saying, like, if you've looked at our team in the last few years, especially these last two years, Patrick Graham hasn't been the problem. And I think, depending on what you, I say, depending on what you want to do, if you want to go tear it down, we're going to suck, we're going to deal with everything, you know, we're going to suck for another year and then go for the big new quarterback, then fine, you probably let him go. If you're going to give him that shot, then you're going to be able to devote, want to devote all your time to him. And I, and I, I, you know, I've spoken about it. I don't think Patrick Graham has been the issue as long as you can get him to calm down his playbook. 
because <laughs> a lot of the stuff early on the season, he tries to do a lot of exotic things. You know, he tries to teach a lot of concepts. Once they start to not work and we need results, he strips the playbook back a little bit, and he, then we start seeing the results. That's what made James Bradbury an all pro. That's what got Leonard Williams his money. That's what makes Xavier McKinney look like a valuable tool. And to something that we spoke about earlier, um, which we're going to just have to do away with, uh, is uh, that Tom mentioned is true. Is our defense has a bunch of it's a stronger set of guys that needs like maybe one superstar to really, you know, just take it to that next level. But our offense is a bunch of, and to borrow the same term I used earlier, cause it makes sense is to borrow from fantasy football is our offense is a bunch of low end flex plays with upside. Whereas our defense is fairly well set and established. So it depends on which route we go with this. And with two top 10 picks this year, Yes, we are sandbagged by our cap situation. So I do think you have to give it a legitimate shot this year. But there is enough of a leash to understand that, hey, if it all goes wrong, it's the previous six years of Mara mismanagement that have led us to this point. So that's not really <laughs> the head coach or the GM's fault, right? Like they'll get they'll get a traditional three years as opposed to this string of two year head coaches and GM you know, situation. Well, two years of head coaches anyway. GM has been uh, what four years of Gettleman. So it's been painful. But we, we need a lot of work. But I'm happy for us to go either way. I'm happy for us to suck tremendous donkey dong next season if it means we get a top QB in can the draft. We, can we both just note there, Tom, that you asked Brad a direct question about who he wants to be <laughs> Head coach, and he I refused to know. answer. I, I don't know, Colin. I don't know. Yet. He didn't I'm let himself dream, did he? No, <laughs> he won't. He, he, Bill Belichick. He's been watching this Bill team Belichick. all season, and he's not thought, man, I wish we could sign Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn. <laughs> no, or no, imagine, okay, no, no, imagine, listen, Brad, listen. Brad. If you, <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you fucking dare. You know I don't want Kellen Moore. I... I haven't dreamed or given it the thought, Colin, because everything that was being told to me was that Joe Judge was staying. I had so little hope and faith that this that this was coming. I expected this moment to be happening 365 days. I'll tell you from what, now. listeners, listeners, it is remarkable, right? So to peel back the curtain, we recorded basically two podcasts tonight. Um, took a solid two and a half hours to do it, and uh, then about half an hour after wrapping up the the, the final podcast. Column logs on and says, emergency pod, Joe Judge has been fired. The difference in tone of Brad <laughs> from from the end of the last podcast when he realised he had to edit two uh, in, in like 24 hours to now when he still has to edit two. Um, but actually, A, there's less editing because we've chopped out about 20 minutes of bitching <laughs> about Joe Judge. And we can just put this in in its place. But also, he has hope. It's not necessarily hope for this year, or even next year, or perhaps even the year after that. But he does have hope. John Mara has finally made a half-decent decision. And maybe, just maybe, next year's Fan Appreciation Day, they will have large Pepsis available <laughs> for everyone. And maybe a hot dog if he's feeling generous. Yeah, this is just... It's wonderful. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I'll, to answer your question, Colm, I don't know. Your, your question, Colm. <laughs> Colm's question, to, to answer your pithy column as to I've never, I've not even given it a thought. No, I haven't really. But fuck it. 
I want Bill Belichick. How's that for you? Terrible <laughs> Give take. Me Brian Flores. Give me David Cully. Hey, Brian, Flo- just, just Brian Flores is a fair take. I don't, I don't mind Brian Flores as the take. But if Brian Flores didn't like Tua and was swearing at Tua and saying he wasn't bad enough, I cannot wait until he gets in the same room as Daniel Jones when he inevitably fumbles the ball or throws an interception on his first read for the third time of the game. Like, Imagine the first time in preseason he goes off at his offensive line about how shit they are and they all start warming up to do wind sprints. He's like, where are you going? Where are you <laughs> Oh, God. The new coaches are going to have to rip up the track, isn't he? Just to stop the players. <laughs> oh, so so an- an- another question for you then, uh, Brad is yeah. what do you think this means for Dan Jones? It's the same as it was. It's the same as I just said. Like, Yeah, it's... Colin, why are you listening? It's the, this oh, is... Sorry, I was reading this news about OBJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it, it depends on what the heck the GM wants to do. I think my, my gut instinct would be that this is give Daniel Jones one year. Draft O line, maybe best defensive player available. You know, if there's a stud there, if we end up in the same situation that Dallas did last year, where Parsons fell to them, you know, just because everyone else is taking a step around them. If you end up in that situation, maybe do that. If not, O line, play around him this year because we really don't have a lot of options to move stuff around. Like, Barkley probably has to go, Shepard has to go, maybe Carl Rudolph, but a lot of the same people that lined up this year are going to be there next year. So let's see what difference in coaching does. Let's see if it's a nice fit for him or whatever. And then look to move on. If it's not going well, look to move on. I I would doubt that we pick up the option. I think we may. I don't know if we have picked up the option, but if we haven't, I don't think we would pick up the option. Remember, when you pick up the option now, it's fully guaranteed at the time of picking up the option. So I would say it's highly unlikely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just gonna. Yeah, we we haven't guaranteed as we haven't picked up his fifth year option. I think it's as you say, Tom. I think it's unlikely. And if we needed to, if we if we really like what we see next year, tag it. At, at the least, if not, negotiate. Yeah, I would. I, I would still say at the moment, I think the Giants are probably Bookie's favourite to probably take the first QB in the draft. Whether that's likely to to happen or not, it's considered to be a weak draft class. But certainly, the Giants are a team people are going to look at and say needs a QB, and if also only, they'll have the capital this, if this needs year. to. Move yeah, on. if if only they because they have two picks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this year. Yeah, and uh, no, Bookie's favorite should still be the Panthers and the Broncos, then the Giants. We still know what we're doing. Like I still think we did. <laughs> still, Brad, you, Brad, Brad, still like, implies that you knew what you yeah. were doing before this. <laughs> Forty-five minutes ago, you were lamenting the fact that this organization had was completely St- rudderless and had no direction. <laughs> Statement from Mara: Steve and I both believe it's in the interest of the organization uh, of the franchise to move in another direction. Um, and the comment I believe he made was. I want to be able to say that... Oh, hang on. Here's a comment. I said before the season started, but I wanted to feel good about the direction we were heading and played our last game of the season. Unfortunately, I cannot make that statement, which is why I've made this decision. So when you say they know what they're doing, they just let me feel bad about what they're doing. 
<laughs> in the context of giving Daniel Jones one last year, because mm. there's no need in in what is considered a weak class. Why do it? If you're gonna suck, why not suck into next year when there's a stronger class with Bryce Young and Co. You know, why not do it then? Let's say hypothetically. Um, either Judge or like Jason Garrett end up as a, a coordinator somewhere <laughs> and offers a sixth for Daniel Jones. No. What? No. no. Neither no. of those Stop men are going to want to work with each other. No, this but rega- just... re- regardless, regardless, you're not trading away Daniel Jones for a sixth round pick, Colin. Come on. Um, when, so... when he's still got the option. Exactly. The bar is unfortunately set at minimum a second rounder. Hey, no, 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 no. Which take was worse, Tom? Which take was worse? Hey, hey, if Donald can get traded for a second, fourth, and a sixth, we can get one second rounder somewhere. No, 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 no. If someone wins the Giants and goes, hey, we'll give you a third rounder for Daniel Jones, there is, like, the paperwork is sent over before the call is finished. No, yes. You know where I'm going with that though, and the Donald stuff. Like we spoke about it with the Von Miller stuff and Khalil Mack was what sets the the market. But yeah, I, I think the one last year column. I don't make us favourites for that. I still think the favourites are Carolina. And to echo what I said earlier, I would I would argue that it's either us or the Jets that are likely to trade back from where we are. Ideally, looking at securing a pick for next year's draft as well, which is supposed to be loaded. So, we've got two top ten picks. Use them to, yeah, use them to grab O line or that defensive stud that we need. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the And the Kick Is Good podcast. It's been a long, long evening, uh, but we hope yours has been quicker. Thanks for listening to us. From me, it's goodbye. From me, it's summer. Let's get copyright struck. From me, it's I love you. I love you.